Welcome to Bucks Insider presented by Verizon. Casey Phillips here with senior writer and editor Scott Smith. And unfortunately, this is our first insider in a while now where there wasn't another game <laughs> coming up. And it's always sad. But man, I know that after you lose, it stings, it hurts. We've been in the building. We've seen how much this team thought they could win, hoped they could win. And there is that sting of that. But to me, this feels like such a successful season considering especially the expectations from the outside world to start in. You have the 80 million in dead cap space. And man, was this a fun ride, especially down the street. It was definitely fun. I wouldn't say this in front of a coach or a player because they generally are, are of the, it's only a successful season if you win the Super Bowl ilk. Uh, but if you take a step back from it, as you said, factor in the expectations, the restrictions on the cap, the signing of Baker Mayfield and a lot of outside expectations of that not being a particularly important signing and add it all up and you make it to the divisional round and really play a nice game in the divisional round as well. Uh, yeah, to me, it feels successful and probably most importantly, something to build on. So this, a lot of people thought this would be a rebuilding year for the Buccaneers, but they won the division, made it to the divisional round, and now you feel like you have something. There's, gonna, there's work to be done. There's players to be re-signed, hopefully, but you do feel like you have a foundation for continued success, not a bottoming out right, kind of situation. Right, which is great, and especially after going all in to win a Super Bowl, it yeah. would not be crazy to have said you had to bottom out to come back from that. And the fact that Jason Light and all of them and, and the coaching staff and everyone was able to make this something very different than bottoming out to still feel like you're in a good place and especially coming out of what, this was the hardest year in the sense of yeah, the cap restrictions. That sure. You've gotta be so optimistic moving forward. And another part of it that you mentioned, Baker Mayfield, the fact that people discredited some of the things about that signing in terms of the expectations of it. And now, especially these playoff games, he showed that when the moment calls for it, he can be the guy. Well, yeah, I mean, his two playoff games were, were pretty much remarkable. He had, uh, he was the first guy in the first, the win over Philadelphia, he was the first Buccaneer quarterback ever to throw for 300 yards and three touchdown passes in a single postseason game. And then he did it again in Detroit. And, and the funny thing is, uh, six touchdown passes in those two games, six different players. Wow. Yeah, he, he really spread the ball around. And as you see here, he had a couple games with the Browns too in 2020, and his overall pass rating in the playoffs is 100.4, which is 106.7 for the Buccaneers, but 100.4 overall, and that's fourth among all active quarterbacks right now. And you'd see some pretty uh, prominent names on that list there. So yeah, he's really delivered when it mattered the most. And we saw that not only on a game-by-game game basis, but sometimes on a situational within a game basis. Like, get the you, you, you go down, you answer the, the Lions three times, and it goes into the fourth quarter, 17-17, and anybody can win from that point. And then the Lions put together two nice long touchdown drives, and they're up by two touchdowns with six minutes to go, and that seems pretty bleak. But he delivered a touchdown drive in a minute and 45 seconds, giving the Bucks a chance. You know, the defense had to get a stop, and they did, and got the ball back. Unfortunately, there was the pick at the end. But in a lot of these games towards the end, he's shown that he could deliver when, like, the stakes are the highest. Yeah, and you talked about how many different people got a touchdown, which, first of all, I think is a testament to this roster, a testament to this new offensive scheme this year to get so many different guys involved. But, of course, Mike Evans, mm -hmm. he's he was the guy. He was yeah. still the guy in the offense throughout the year. We saw that he is still playing at such an incredibly high level, and particularly again in the playoffs, even though there were a couple drops I know he'd love to have back, his performance was was truly incredible. Yeah, eight catches for 147 yards in that game. That's a playoff record for the Buccaneers. That's the most uh, receiving yards 
that a player's ever had in a postseason game for Tampa Bay. But it wasn't like he took that mantle away from somebody else because he now has four 100-yard games in the playoffs and the top four yardage games in team history. I mean, it's just Mike Evans. And so the playoffs are starting to look the playoff record book basically starting to look like the regular season record book where it Mike holds all Mike those Evans records. Over yeah. <laughs> it's just Mike Evans. It's like we have a little uh, on your computer, you have a little macro just to click one button and it puts Mike, Mike Evans. Mike Evans. Yeah. And again, if you're ever at a Bucks trivia event, just say just Mike Evans. Mike Evans. <laughs> <It will laughs> Who leads you, the team in sacks? It's like people used to just fill out it's all possible. the C's on the bubble chart. You know, <laughs> yeah. just fill out Mike Evans. You're probably good to go. Um, and of course, Rashad White also just such a huge part of this offense this year that we saw grow and develop as mm -hmm. he went along both. I mean, his the passing game, he was able to be a big impact pretty early on. And then the run game started developing as well. And we started seeing the ways that he and, and Coach Canales' scheme really fit well together. They found ways to use mm -hmm. him. And I loved his touchdown in this game. It felt like such a good combination of execution and then also the play call. That was my absolute favorite moment of this entire game because right before the game I said to the person next to me in the press box they're gonna blitz here and obviously it was third and ten and obviously Dave Canales knew that as well and I think he probably also must have figured out that that blitz was coming up the middle so if you saw this play in slow-mo oh here's a next gen you'll see CJ Gardner Johnson creeps up the linebacker creeps up they blitz up the middle and there was only two defenders left on the right side here one of them had to follow Kate Otten into the end zone so the only guy out there was Aiden Hutchinson, and you'll see on these dots here, Luke Gedeke pops out and erases him on a block. So the play, the, the pass was under pressure. Like CJ Gardner Johnson was pretty close to him there, but he got it off in 1.8 seconds. And because of the play design and the perfect timing of this call, when Rashad caught that ball, he had a straight line to the end zone. All he had to do was run straight really fast. Yeah, which I which think he's did. a fan of. Yeah. Um, I thought it was just an amazing call. It was. That was a really great <coughs> call and a really fun play to watch. Um, also, on the defensive side, the same way we talk about Mike Evans, just a good chance that he's the answer to different trivia questions <laughs> and things. Levante David, that on the other side. And again, as we, we talk about the expectations of this team this year, I don't know what the expectations were of Levante on coming back on a one-year deal thinking, oh, he, you know, he's older for a linebacker. Mm -hmm. Where's he going to be? He looks like he has aged backwards, just like Mike Evans. <laughs> They're Benjamin Buttons? Yes, they are. Uh, yeah, he had a phenomenal season, and he showed it again in this game. I, th I thought he was the most um, visible defender for us. He was the guy you always saw around the ball. He had 13 tackles. He had a sack. He's the first guy in Bucks playoff history to have 10-plus tackles and a sack in the same game. And here's hoping that Levante's back next year and maybe beyond and that the Buccaneers can get back to the playoffs because you see here he's chasing the all-time great uh, Derek Brooks for the most tackles in postseason history. And, and think about how long Levante had to wait for that. Yeah. And eight I, eight so years true. with nothing and now four in a row and he's making it count. And at the rate that he's tackling, you look at that, okay, so he's 19 short. That sounds like two about games. two games. Yeah, that sounds like That's about two games. So we need him to come back and we need to do at least what we did this year. Yeah. And <laughs> then he's good more. to go on that. Um, <clears throat> and we know that this game... We'd heard that the atmosphere was going to be pretty crazy, proved that that was very accurate, <clears throat> and it, it's an incredible place. It's been very fun to watch for these Lions fans after such a long drought. <sighs> Hate that we had to be the ones to play them, but their fans really did make for a great atmosphere. But, of course, I also love seeing how well the Bucks seem to handle it, where, yep. again, we talked about all year, new coordinator, new scheme, all reshuffled offensive line. Those are the kind of things that can make it really challenging when you have yeah. this atmosphere. And I think to see the last game of the year to watch how they handled it showed the growth of those areas. Yeah, in case that atmosphere was no joke. They booed 
the posting of our starting lineup on the video board. Not the players, the players weren't on the field yet. They were Just booing the, the list of players. They were cheering uh, as loud as you've ever heard for the players, the Lions coming out for their warmups an hour before the game. It was, it was electric, it was amazing. Kudos to them. Um, but yes, the Buccaneers handled it very well as they said they would. We didn't, <clears throat> we had five penalties in the game. Only one was on offense and that was an OPI on Kate Otten. No procedural penalties on the line. That's pretty impressive because that place, I can tell you, basically if you were trying to have a conversation with anybody next to you because it's an open press box, you just had to wait until the Lions were on offense because you just couldn't hear each other. It's pretty amazing. It was unbelievable. Yeah, and I'm so so excited for this team and how they handled it. And, and again, just 408 yards. Yeah, that's incredible. It's a, it's a really amazing performance. And again, I know we're not glossing over the fact that the season came to yeah, an end, that right. it was a loss, but I think that it, it is possible to hold things to, together that are Yes, it sure. is sad they lost, but man, what a what a performance! What a fun game to watch, and I'm sure be a part of. Um, but of course, because they did lose, it's always so amazing to me the way football works. <laughs> the very next day, we're on to the next season. Yeah. There is you, as no, much no as there is an off season. <clears throat> there is not a break. I right. think is the way to put it. And I had Assistant General Manager John Spytek on my show earlier oh, this week, and um, we were talking about that. That man, it's it is immediate into overdrive mm -hmm. of draft and free agency and combine and yeah. all these things. So. Now that we know where the season ended, where do the Bucks sit in the draft, and what is that going to look like? Well, yeah, because the Bucks were knocked out in the divisional round, they were going to be in the 25 to 28 range, mm -hmm. uh, and based on uh, the four teams that lost in the divisional round, based on their record during the regular season. The Bucks were nine and eight, and so were the Packers, who got eliminated. But the Packers had a worse strength of schedule, and that's the tiebreaker. So they get 25 and we get 26. And then throughout the draft, the Bucks and Packers will uh, alternate between 25 and 26. And it's kind of, it's not really an important note or anything, it's just kind of an oddity. The Bucks have never picked 26th, ever in team history. Never, never been slotted there or traded up to there or back to there. They've never made that pick, so if they stay put, first time that'll be really There's interesting. there's been some interesting players taken there recently too like calvin ridley and uh uh, uh jordan love yeah 26 pick yeah that's what's so great you know at this point that our scouts have found gems even in late rounds oh yeah picking 26th versus a little earlier in the first round that's not going to throw them off their game well, of that goes all the way somebody. back to your lead point about how this team had 80 million dollars in dead cap and and still find a way to get it done because they did such a great job of identifying young talent, mm -hmm. not just in the draft, although definitely in the draft, but also in the undrafted free agents. So kudos to them. All right. Well, the season may be over, but of course the Bucks news is not. We will be covering all of your draft, free agency, everything going forward to see how this Bucks team is going to continue to build a roster that was just as fun, if not more fun, than this last year going <laughs> into this next year. So stay tuned for all of that on Buccaneers.com, and we'll see you next time.